Hey folks, welcome back to the Tome of Daniel Blake. I'm Griff Garrison. Today I have a great episode planned. It's not as dark as last week's episode, but it is going to be pretty entertaining. So I think we should just get right into it. Daniel, what have you been doing while I was away? Rainy said as she stepped into my office with a sly smirk tucked into the corner of her mouth. I rolled my eyes. I told you there was just the business with Mrs. Adams and that trinket. Well then, Daniel, she said as she leaned onto my desk, why would you be getting social calls from wealthy young widows? I sighed deeply. What on earth are you talking about? I hardly know any widows, let alone any rich young ones. She handed me a scrap of paper. Well, this rich young widow that you don't know has invited you, and by extension me, to a soiree. What in the hell's a soiree? I asked as I grabbed the letter. She shook her head as I looked over it. A party, Daniel. A nice party. Oh, it's Florence Boswell. So you do know this woman, Rainey smirked again. I shrugged. In passing, I knew her late husband, Harold, but even that was a lifetime ago. I don't rub elbows with the likes of the Boswells anymore. Tossing away the letter, I turned back to what I was doing. Rainey looked at me for a long while with those burning eyes of hers. I glanced up at her again. Anything else you need, Rainey? Knowing full well what she was going to say in response. I think it's about time you rub your elbows with them again, she said firmly. I leaned back in my chair. That's not who I am, Rainey. It never was. Not even then. She put her hands on my desk and leaned in. Come on, Daniel. You never even told me you knew anyone on that side of the bay. Don't you want to pay your respects to your friend? This time I glared. I wouldn't call him a friend, and I've already paid as many respects as I can stand to pay. She stood upright. Golly, Daniel, I didn't mean to get on your nerves. She softened her pose. Look, this can be a good opportunity for us. The business isn't in the best of positions right now. As much as I couldn't stand it, she was right. The godforsaken party was a good prospect. I also knew why she would want to go. As strong as she is, she never misses an opportunity to play the proper and delicate sophisticate. From the moment Rainy handed me the letter to the moment I stepped foot in that monstrous house, my gut churned, begging me to go home. I really should have listened to myself. But we ended up there across the bay, in that house last night surrounded by the deepest pockets in the city. Even though Rainy convinced me to go... I did not dress for high society, but simply wore my ordinary slacks, vest, and bow tie. Rennie would have mocked me had she had known at the time, but I also brought my iron knuckle dusters just in case. Rennie, on the other hand, was done up to the nines. She had her face dolled up, and she was wearing a dress that was the deep blue of some exotic bird, and a crystal necklace that shone when it caught the light. I wasn't lying when I told her she looked nice. She rolled her eyes at me when I did so. When we stepped into the place, I was happily surprised by the lack of familiar faces. The handful I did recognize either didn't recognize me anymore or shunned me as if I had the flu. Most of these blue noses don't look folk like me in the eye anyhow. Lawrence was there, and he was especially avoiding me. I did take some pleasure from seeing him squirm like the little worm he is when he saw me, but I had neither the time nor energy to actually attempt a conversation with that powdered-up simpleton. The lady of the house soon grabbed our attention. Ah, Mr. Blake, I'm so glad you could attend, she said with a soft smile 
With the ember red hair burning to her shoulders, piercing green eyes, and such sweet style and grace, she was quite the centerpiece of this engagement. She was without a doubt the most intoxicating woman in the room, perhaps Bleakhaven itself. In short, she was the kind of woman I learned to avoid a long time ago. I did my best to summon that smile Rainy had mastered as I took her hand. Of course, Mrs. Boswell, I wouldn't miss it, I motioned to my companion. This is my assistant, Rainy Storm. The woman beamed at Rainy, placing her hand on my companion's shoulders. Ah, Miss Storm, you look quite enchanting this evening. Rainy took the compliment eagerly, returning the woman's enthusiasm. I thought that, perhaps, I should have warned her of women like this beforehand. Oh, Rainy exclaimed. It's just something I threw together. You have such a lovely home. Yes, thank you. She smiled. Harold had quite the taste for interior design. I haven't had the compulsion or desire to change it. It's quite the same as... Why, hello, Florence. A young man in a fine suit with the same red hair interrupted her. Deep annoyance flashed across our host's face for a split second. You must forgive my brother, Lee. He does not possess the virtues of tact or grace. You see, when you come into money, friends and family manifest themselves from the ether. Although I haven't had the heart to turn him away, she turned to her brother. This is Mr. Daniel Blake and his assistant, Miss Rainy Storm. Daniel was a friend of Harold's. The young man grabbed Rainy's hand. Ah, Miss Storm, you have such captivating eyes. She smiled at him. I was unsure if she was genuine or not. Why, thank you. The annoyance on Boswell's face came back to stay for a time. Yes, Lee, thank you. Now, Mr. Blake, I have something. At that, someone called for our host, interrupting her yet again. Forgive me. I... She glared at Lee. We must mingle with the other guests. However, this isn't merely a social call. Please meet me in the study later in the evening. It's just up the stairs and down the hall to the left. Then she was gone, to weave her hex on the others, dragging her brother behind. Rainy didn't stick around me too long either. She was wooed by the prospect of socializing with this crowd. All those people, all those made-up faces started to make my skin crawl. I decided to go to the study early. Well, that was my intention, at least. First, I came to what seemed to be a bedroom that had been converted into storage. Then I ended up in a billiards room, likely where Henry spent a lot of his time. I actually became content wandering the vast second floor. It was dark and dreary. I didn't find anything very interesting at first. However, I soon came to a door that was ajar. I entered realizing it was Boswell's bedchamber. It was a bit sloppy for someone as graceful as herself, but it was as extravagant as the rest of the house. I was about to leave when I focused on a display next to her bed housing an absolutely hideous statuette. I became captivated by it. Making sure the door was shut behind me, I went over to examine it. The thing was about six inches tall and made of some sort of stone. The figure itself is hard to describe. It was humanoid at the very least, extremely disfigured and hunched over. It looked as though it had lived a thousand years and every day suffered some new malicious torture. As I bent closer to the grotesque statue, I saw there was a drawer in the lowest part of the case. It had a lock, but it hadn't been closed properly. I slid it open and saw a dusty old tome laying inside. 
I don't believe this is the study, Mr. Blake. I shut the drawer as inconspicuously as I could and turned around to face Mrs. Boswell. Unless you intend to study something else. I began walking back to the door and my host. Excuse me, Mrs. Boswell. I became lost and I... She stopped me by putting her hand on my arm gently. Can we do away with the formalities, Daniel? I'll admit, I was a bit flustered. Of course we can, Mrs. Florence. It's all right you're here, Daniel. She looked deep into my eyes. I had hoped I would be the one to invite you in, though, assuming it was all right with your assistant. Rainy? Yes, why wouldn't it be? I started to pull away. She embraced me. I tensed to resist her, but it was entirely unwelcome. Forgive me, It's it's been a long time since I've felt... I embraced her, and she pulled in, kissing me. Everything about her was absolutely intoxicating. And you. You're not like the stuffy men in my social circles, she whispered in my ear. I pulled back. You, uh, said this wasn't just a social call. Oh, yes. She slowly released me from her grip. I suppose we should get the work out of the way. I do hope you'll find your way back to my bedchamber afterwards, though. I nodded stiffly. As she began leading me towards the door, I glanced back toward the statuette. Florence? She smiled, looking back at me. Why do you keep such um, a unique statuette at your bedside? Now she was flustered. Oh, that... She glanced away from me. Gruesome, isn't it? But it was Harold's prized possession. When it's near, I can feel him. It doesn't seem like his style, I said analytically. I saw annoyance and sadness on her face. But I understand there were parts of him I didn't know. Couldn't have known. She warmed up to me again, wrapping her arm around mine in melancholy. I suppose no one knew him as intimately as I did. She looked up at me. He always talked very highly of you. I smiled at her as we walked towards the study. We only knew each other as children. I couldn't imagine me being so remarkable that he'd bring me up. You are remarkable, Daniel. There's something about you. Harold saw it. And now, I see it too. As we approached the study, Lee came up from behind. My dear sister, I see you were able to sneak away. He looked at me, as well as that ravishing assistant of yours, Mr. Blake. She looked back in frustration, gripping onto me tighter. I snuck her and Mr. Blake away for business, and since you're so eager to weasel your way into every aspect of my life, you're going to help too. Soon enough, the three of us arrived, seeing Rainy sitting there looking aloof while reading some random book. She looked up at us with a smile. One... I had seen before, but modified to the situation. Florence shut the door behind us. Please, have a seat, everyone. We all did as she said as she stood before us. She brought her hand up to her mouth and furrowed her brow. Forgive me. It's difficult to speak on. After a moment, she began explaining again. Howard's death wasn't an accident. Rainy and I became clinical. Lee looked rather confused. I'm not sure exactly what happened to him, the woman continued. I came to you, Daniel, because of your work. You see, Harold began bringing home strange books and talismans. There was something mystical about it all. 
He became obsessed, and I'm not sure. But I feel something was attracted to it, and that's what killed him. I brought my hand up to my chin. Harold has been dead for years. Why would you con us now? She looked down. Because I feel that the beast hasn't left this place. I can feel it lurking down in the garden, and even here in this house. It's become unbearable, and I know the only one who would believe me and could help me is you. She stammered a bit. Of course I'll pay. I'll do whatever you'd like if you get rid of it. Lee looked like a pale ghost. He turned to us. It's true. I've seen and heard things around the house I can't explain. Shadows and footsteps going into rooms that haven't any other outlet. I myself have had many episodes of my consciousness blacking out since Harold's death. This has been nothing like what we have seen when we were... when we were kids. I looked inquisitively at him and the woman. Rainey spoke first. What happened when you were kids? Boswell sighed softly. We lived in a pagan home. We fled those practices, though. Did Harold know? I asked. Yes. I tried to warn him of that path when he kept bringing in those horrid items, she said, looking into my eyes. I like to look over what he was reading, I said as I stood. That could be our best lead to finding out what killed him. Yes, of course, our host said. She motioned to Rainy. Miss Storm, would you help me find them? She turned back to Lee and I. While we gather those, Lee will show you to the garden, Daniel. That's the last place I felt its presence. Lee and I both nodded and went our way as the women went theirs. Can you tell me anything more about what was going on? I asked him as we walked. Lee looked vacantly ahead. There have been dreams, horrible dreams, where I... I... No, I'm sorry. I'm feeling rather faint. We pressed on through the winding house. I just need some fresh air, I think, he said as we approached a side door. Stick close to me. With any luck, we won't need to spend too much time out here, I told him leaving the house. I noticed many of the guests were leaving from the front at this time. It must have been late. In the garden, we had began a slow and methodical search. After a fair few minutes, I discovered some strange prints in the soft soil of the garden along with trampled flowers. They seemed canid, maybe. It was hard to tell in the poor light. I was busily examining the prints and other markings when I thought I had heard something rustle the nearby foliage. Lee, did you hear? I looked around to discover my new companion was missing. I stood and immediately fitted my knuckle dusters over my fingers. I looked toward the now silent bushes in anticipation. I slowly started to back out of the garden. I felt a predatory gaze on me. Then another rustling sound from the left. I stamped my attention towards it. I was ready. I stood there for a moment taking in my surroundings as much as I could. There was nothing to see, nothing to hear as far as I could tell. Then I felt it. A sharp pain in my left shoulder. Then I was on the ground several feet away from where I stood, pinned there by something massive. I was pressed into the soft dirt, which likely saved me from being crushed. My eyes were closed as I felt hot, putrid breath on my face. I opened my eyes and saw only a blurred black shape. As my vision cleared, I brought my right hand up and hitting it in the snout with the knuckle dusters. It whimpered in pain and jumped off me, giving me enough time and space to stand and face the beast. 
Its fur was black. It seemed to consume what little light did reach its canid form. It gazed at me with the soulless eyes blacker than night. We stood off against each other, for I don't know how long before the beast of Bleakhaven lunged at me. I was able to dodge it. It seemed much slower than before. I seized the opportunity to deliver a brutal hook with my knuckle dusters. Again, it whimpered in pain. Clumps of hair and blood flecked my weapon. With that, I ran back to the house. I didn't look back. I just ran and locked the door behind me. Rainy! Florence! I cried, barreling through the house, holding my wounded shoulder. I was about to the main hall when Florence appeared. Daniel, my God! What happened? She gasped at me. I ran up to her. Florence, there is something out there. A beast, as you said. I, I don't know where Lee is. The thing attacked. She threw her arms around me and sobbed. Daniel, what will we do? Then I saw it again. The beast was down the hall. It was silently moving toward us when I locked eyes with it. I pushed Boswell behind me as I took my stance against the monster. I held my knuckle dusters high in the air when suddenly I felt a hand at the back of my neck, its nails digging into my skin. I heard words, whispers, then nothing. Darkness, black as the beast. I don't know how much time passed when I regained consciousness. When I did, I was in the main hall where the party had taken place. I was tied down and completely immobilized. I struggled on the hard tile floor. Then I noticed those dead eyes reflecting candlelight from above. Step back, Lee, a soft, sweet voice called out to the monster. Soon Boswell's cloaked image presented itself before me in the candlelight. Good morning, Daniel. Florence, what, what's going on? I managed to stammer out. She stroked the beast's, Lee's, head. You're still alive. How fortuitous you brought iron tonight. I started to struggle more. What the hell are you talking about? She pulled a large, ornate knife from her robes. You were meant to die by the beast inside Lee, as my husband did. But you survived, which gives us a unique opportunity. With a sudden clarity, I realized who the real beast of Bleakhaven was. I focused on the new threat. Where's Rainy? She smiled down at me. That's the beautiful part about this. Show yourself, my dear. I felt the blood rush from my face as I saw Rainy in the same robes come to the light. Rainy, what are you doing? I asked in shock. Boswell wrapped herself lovingly around Rainy. She agreed to help me start a new coven, which is why it's so fortunate you survived the first attempt. Her face pressed into Rainey's. She now has the opportunity to prove herself. Two birds with one stone. My mind was racing as Boswell presented the knife to Rainey. Then my mind stopped on one question. Why seek out to kill me? You barely knew who I was. Rainey gripped the knife firmly as Boswell spoke. I don't know, Daniel. I was told to set the mouse trap, and because your ravishing assistant convinced you to come to my party, I was able to flaunt the bait so well you didn't even question it. I looked at Rainy and saw the determination in her eyes. Oh, and Rainy wasn't hard to convince, Boswell continued. She was all too eager to get out from such a repulsive man's thumb. She's stronger than you will ever know, Daniel. Rainy knelt beside me. She began rubbing the knife on my face and down my body. I looked at her. Rainy, 
You're not going to go through with this, are you? Hold your tongue, Daniel, was all Rainy said in response. Do it now, the beast of a woman commanded as she placed her hand on Rainy's shoulder. Rainy raised the knife high above her head and swung it down. It passed me and plunged into Boswell behind her. Daniel, break the rope, she yelled as she wrestled Boswell to the ground. She had cut into it, just enough for me to break free as she moved the knife over my body. I started to stand and saw Lee's eyes lock onto me. Rainy stood next to me, leaving Boswell on the ground. I'm under no one's thumb, man or woman. The witch pulled a dry knife out of her stomach and stood herself. This way, I said, pulling Rainy toward the stairs. You will regret that, you harlot, the witch screamed as we made our ascent. Kill them, she commanded her brother. We hid in the first room we could find, trying to be as quiet as possible. It was the storage room. Why are we up here, Daniel? We need to get out of this house, not go further in. Rainy, she's no ordinary pagan. She's a witch. A witch with a brother dog thing that's going to kill us. We need to find a way to keep her from pursuing. Did she say anything that could be of use to us now? Lee crashed against the door. I barricaded it with my body. I don't know, Daniel. She saw my crystal necklace and we talked about that. Then she talked about how she could teach me things. She was nuts. But I played dumb. What did she say she could teach you? I said eagerly, preparing myself for another crash. Um, the main one was eternal beauty and youth. Lee hit the door again, startling Rainy. She, she started talking like she was immortal. She said she could write the spell in stone, whatever that meant. Her bedchamber, I said. We need to get to her bedchamber, find something to keep Lee away. Crash! I could feel the door begin to give way. Iron Rainy. She said I could only survive because of... This crash knocked me to the floor. Bits of the door were strewn around me. Lee was looking through the new cracks. He couldn't get in yet. Daniel, my companion yelled. She had found a tool chest. She handed me a screwdriver and grabbed a wrench for herself. I think these are iron. With the final crash, Lee broke what was left of the door into pieces. He approached us when Rainy brought the wrench down on him. He growled in pain and anger. I moved in and plunged the screwdriver into his shoulder. He screamed in tormented anguish. Then we ran. I led Rainy to the witch's room. It was locked. I took the wrench from Rainy and began smashing down on the handle. Daniel! Rainy! That sickling sweet voice ran through the hall. Why won't you play with Lee? After what seemed like ages, the handle finally broke off and we scrambled into the room. I rushed to the statuette. Daniel! Rainy cried again. I looked back to see Boswell holding Rainy and brandishing that horrid knife. Stop, Blake, Boswell said, her veil of sweetness now completely removed. I raised my hand above the glass case. What is this thing, Boswell? Something you can never comprehend. Certainly more valuable than the life of this harlot. A fire burned within Rainy. Do it! And with that, I struck the case, causing glass to rain down on the statuette. Our host fell to the ground, screaming in pain. Rainy rushed over to me. I picked up the grotesque figure and walked over to examine Boswell. She was bleeding. She had tiny cuts all over her body. Give it to me! Give it back! I don't think I will, Mrs. Boswell, I said as Rainy and I cautiously moved past the crazed woman. In fact, I think I'll be holding on to it for quite some time. No! 
She screamed. Lee! Lee, get it for me! I raised the statuette above my head, prepared to smash it against the wall as Lee limped towards us. Lee, no! Stop! Wait! She said, crawling into the hallway towards us. Lee stopped in his tracks. Turn him back, Rainy commanded Boswell. The witch hesitated. Do it now! Fine! Fine! Boswell relented and then whispered some sort of spell. With that, Lee began to lose his caned shape. He gasped with pain and shock. The screwdriver still in his shoulder and the wounds from earlier still prevalent. Rainy took off her cloak and started bandaging up the poor man. She glanced toward Boswell. Who wanted Daniel dead? The witch smiled again. My friends, they aren't of this realm, dear. I stood between them with the figurine. Well, you can tell them that you failed and will continue to do so. I moved back to Rainy. She patched him up as best she could. I handed the statuette to Rainy and helped Lee up. It's all right, Lee. We'll get you some help. He was too shocked to speak. I looked to the woman on the floor. We got rid of what killed your husband. Now stay out of our business permanently and leave Lee alone. Your putrid statue will be safe for the time being. They'll slaughter you, Blake! She screamed into her dark and empty home as we left it behind. They are more powerful than you could imagine! We took Lee to a doctor I know in town. It was nearly sunrise when we got there, but we still woke him up early. I told him Lee was of the Boswell estate, and the good doctor had no trouble taking him in to work on him. He also looked at my shoulder briefly before I left. At Boswell's expense, of course. Just a flesh wound. He put some alcohol and bandages on it and sent Rainy and I home. It's a shame we didn't get paid. We could have really used it right now. I lamented on the drive home. Rainy smirked at me. Oh, dearest Daniel, we did get paid. She produced from her remaining robes a small fortune in cash and jewelry. I smiled at her. I should have expected that. Well, she did leave me unattended for quite a while. I felt a little guilty about it until she tied you up, the brain-sick bitch. Then I decided we deserved a bit more for the trouble. Thank you, Rainy, I said as we pulled up to the office. She smiled. You've done the same for me. Besides, I did sort of push you a little to go to the party. I looked at her incredulously. You pushed a little? You practically begged me to go. Oh, hush. We're fine now. Better than fine. I got us a pretty decent payday. You got us that disgusting piece of art, and we got Lee away from that whore and whatever, uh, drugs she was giving him to make him that way. I looked at my companion one last time as we entered the office. You know, Rainy, I said as she started down the hall. When we first saw Boswell at the party, I knew she was the kind of woman to be avoided. Even though I didn't take my own advice, seeing you interact with her, I felt it a shame I hadn't the opportunity to warn you. I paused for a moment. But Boswell was the one who needed the warning, wasn't she? Rainy just smirked devilishly and went off to get some rest. I took it upon myself to find a spot for our new decoration. It took me a while, but I found a good hiding place. One I won't reveal in this book or any other written or spoken word. I trust Mrs. Boswell will leave us alone for quite a while, but not forever. I'll need to make some preparations for her inevitable meddling in my affairs. I almost look forward to it, actually. I'd love to know more about these friends she spoke of that somehow demand my death. I'm sure they have other works against me planned. I'll have to keep my guard up from now on. 
Whatever they do, Daniel Blake won't be brought down so easily. Daniel Blake. Wow. What an episode, huh? Florence Boswell, a witch, turning her brother into some monster, the Beast of Bleak Haven. I like that. That's cool. I wonder if this estate where all this happened is the same estate that I visited when I was a kid. I uh, I visited a place called the Boswell Estate. I, I imagine it is. It's a very creepy, creepy place. It's been a historical site for like 30 years. You guys can go check it out for yourself. Uh, I, I highly recommend it. It's a cool place. I've noticed there's some uh, notes here that Officer Mathers left behind. I never know what I can or can't say with his notes because you never know if it could be confidential or not. But yeah, there was some mention of a Danielle Boswell. Mathers mentioned that uh, this person could be like um, a modern day art thief. But regardless, I think this episode was a really good episode. I, uh, I, I truly thought it was a little bit lighter way lighter than last week's episode. I personally, when I read it, I didn't think that she was going to be a witch. And uh, yeah, that really took me by surprise. Um, but as for next week's episode, I uh, I read ahead a little bit and there's uh, some mountain man mystery and some kidnappings going on. So stay tuned for that. And uh, I think that's going to conclude our episode of the Tome of Daniel Blake. I have been Griff Garrison. See you guys next time.